This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for being patrons at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, we're going to go back to the original 5e adventure. We're going to tun- tunnel deep below as we discuss Fandelver and below the Shattered Obelisk. Joining us for this episode, we have three dwarven siblings who hold the deed to the fabled Wave Echo Cave. First is our learned sage, the historian who specializes in long-lost dwarven kingdoms, coming to us on loan from Tribality, sitting down with us for an ale at the Sleeping Giant. It's Brandis Stoddard. Hello, folks. Happy to be here. And also with us is the warrior of the party. Never will her battle axe grow dull as she cleaves through countless goblin bandits. She also uses that axe to cut through errors as the lead editor for Steamforge Games and also cuts through red tape as the RPG coordinator for Momocon. It's Jenny Loveday. <laughs> and lastly, but not leastly, it's the dwarf engineer who makes the Tome Show possible. He's our senior editor, our media scheduler, and the official Tome Show Discord greeter. He's my friend and a good man, without whom I likely would have had to kill the podcast like so many mind flayers. It's Sam Dillon. I So I didn't hear any of that except you just called the three of us very short. I mean... <laughs> oh, and normally when you're going to call me very short, we go with gnome, but today I'm a dwarf and like, I, you know... I feel like I should go get two drinks. There you go. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> to that's honor the new Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we've gathered here to talk about Vandelver and Below the Shattered Obelisk in this episode. The adventure published by Witcher of the Coast returns to the adventure that came out way back when 5e was in its infancy with the starter set, the first 5e product to officially hit shelves. Uh, only this time, uh, finding and liberating of Wave Echo Cave is just the beginning as the story proceeds for another eight levels or so as the heroes explore the region, the Underdark below, and threats from dot other places. <laughs> I wonder where. So, I, full disclosure, who is working from review copies? I'm working from review copy, as usual. I am working from a review copy, also. I shelled out my own hard-earned gold pieces, as usual. Uh, and uh, Tracy and I are working from review copies from D&D Beyond, as well as physical copies that I have not yet sent to Tracy. But I, but I have it sitting upstairs uh, next to the Planescape box. So She has to wait, and but she, just- she, she has to wait, but she gets all the special covers. Just so that the Tome Show listeners know, Jeff does offer to send me copies of these things, and I always decline because I buy my own. He's not just a mean old Grinch, okay? <laughs> I mean, to be clear, I have also purchased one. Um, oh. <laughs> we, we, we need multiple of everything in this household. <laughs> I like that style. That's good. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so... Uh, I always have to look at the title to, to capture all the, the all the parentheticals here. Fandelver and Below the Shattered Obelisk. W- what is this adventure about? Who wants to start uh, explaining it to us? Well, it's about an obelisk and it got shattered it's below Fandelver. Except, except it's not kind of really... I, mean, I it's know, a, it's not at all. <laughs> I mean, it is not at there, all. There are pieces of a shattered obelisk in the story, but it's not really about shattering the obelisk. It, it okay. needs to be said that a, a, a D&D adventure title that actually is about what it says it's about is not normal. I mean, usually they, usually they lie in some key way, and that's just a thing. Dragon Heist. Yeah, there was no thunder from the Storm King. Not yeah. a single bit. Right. I don't know why uh, that we, was the first one that popped in my head. <laughs> descends into oh, Avernus, we, descends into Avernus. Uh, Tomb uh, of Annihilation is in the Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, no. the, the Frost Maiden did put down a rhyme. She did have a rhyme, but the whole <laughs> rest of, like, after Chapter 3 was not about the Frost Maiden's rhyme. I mean, no. yeah. Um, I will say though, if you just stop at the colon, it's 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 correct. Fandelver yeah. and below, we've done it. Yes. Although, kind <laughs> of, it kind of goes Fandelver below and beyond. 
uh, below and then below some more. And oh. below or, or, or below or bath and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it you know starts out with the classic story, the lost mine of Van Delver, which, as you said, the dwarven siblings there. Uh, trying to figure out what's going on in Wave Echo Cave, and then we head down because there's an illicit plot. Yeah, although the, there were... So it's a reprinting of, of Lost Minds of Fandelver, mostly. There have been some tweaks to it. Um, mostly, so far as I can tell, those tweaks involved sprinkling in a handful of uh, uh, psionic goblins that you kind of run into every now and then or catch evidence of. Sam thinks those there's are, more. Those those are additions. Twe- the tweaks are things that are slightly different. Like, for example, because this was developed at a time when they don't use XP anymore, so there's no XP listings in this like there were in the original. And there's oh, they took out all the advice for new DMs, so that's all gone because that was in the starter set. But then in terms of the adventure, like they changed a few names, like um, – uh, there's a bugbear named Mosk. The Nothic they gave him a name. Um, they changed some of the some of the um, treasures, and they changed them to be kind of less grim. Like the the goblin Yemik used to have like gold teeth or something in his pouch, and now he just has a couple of gems or something like things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So they they kind of they tweaked a few things. Um, uh, Glass staff's familiar is now it was a rat, and now it's a closet. Um, they took out most of the orcs from the adventure. There's almost no orcs in this adventure at all. There's only, there's only like one. They, they turned them on to bugbears. Um, they added some maps of places that didn't previously have maps like Wyvern Tor and the old Owl Well. Uh, they redid a lot of the artwork because the original artwork was pulled from other things and now they've got brand new illustrations. Yeah. Which well, is the opposite and, of what the Wizards yeah. usually does. Usually Wizards recycles artwork yeah. from previous things. This right. time they they re- yeah. undid the recycling and gave us original stuff. Yeah. They, they also they, changed the druid to a woman. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say they diversified the cast a little bit more, the NPCs. In mm-hmm. the original, pretty much all the important NPCs or the ones that had anything to do with anything were all just white human men. And uh, yeah, so that, they, and that was yeah. a big one like, I, that I had an issue with because I ran the first one probably about 20 times because Only I was 20? running it at least like, cause I was running cons. So I was helping um, run it there. And I remember there being a lack of female characters. And I even had a blog post where I, I counted them. Uh, I, and, and yeah, it felt like there was more. I just didn't get a chance to count in this, in this version of it. They've also added two um, very important new characters. Uh, you meet, uh, Gwyn Orsong, Orsong uh, Dwarf Scholar um, and then uh, River Biddle an archaeologist gnome but those are the new part those are in the new chapter yeah. right they're not yeah. in the so like I'm only talking about like changes in the original I, I guess what I'm saying uh, is I guess that's that, true yeah they the, are the changes they make all seem to kind of fiddle with things that maybe make it a slightly more well-rounded kind of adventure, right? Um, thought you got introduced to Gwen in the first bit, at least. Um, it mentions her because she is the sister of the Stone Hill Inn yeah. owner or something like that, but she's not really in there. It just mentions that she's going to arrive shortly after the PCs. But like the... so. Like they did add a couple other things too, because they added that there's a couple places where you might see some weird goblins with some green stuff around them or something like that's added specifically to kind of connect to the rest of the book. But mostly, I mean, the adventure is the same though. The the adventure part of that is the same. The same kind of maps for Wave Echo Cave. The same maps for. for what you call it, the original goblin like hideout, the same map for Cragmaw Castle, all that stuff is the same. They just kind of tweaked things and made it a little bit nicer. Some things they explained a little more clearly where it was just kind of wasn't important before because it had a little bit of advice. Now they've explained it because they took all that basic DMing advice out. So 
I guess I remember Gwen, you know, being mentioned more specifically to Tracy's point because it was kind of exciting to be like, ah, yes, the woman is on her way to help. Yes, things are going to go well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. I love that they did that. I just, yeah. It, it, but she wasn't in the original at all, right? Or am I remembering no. incorrectly? Okay, she, okay, yeah. She was so, not. It, it is not as uh, important a change as any of the things that Hermos has listed, but I think they also took out the Gauntlets of Ogre Power. As a mm. treasure item, because I can't seem to find it, and oh, I, I, I just—I remembered it being there. No, I, the well, overpowered gauntlets. Yes, I, yeah. I don't remember yeah. where, but I remember seeing gauntlets of overpower. But you had to like spend at least an hour digging through rubble to find it. So oh, did I? Have I just missed that? Okay, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. Because that stood I, out I've been to looking me. For it, but. Yeah. I, I, I have I have read several times but never actually run or played the original Fandelver. Um so 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 I've played it I mean I in, will say they're not in the magic item appendix. Hmm. Hmm. Um I, I have played it in sort of a very roundabout way. I've I tried to run it once and the group kind of bounced off it. It, it wasn't really hitting for us the, the original. Uh but then in the, the the Tuesday night game that isn't running tonight for reasons. Um, the DM has used all of the maps from this for other things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he's used a bunch of the encounters from it too. Like we've been to a version of Wave, Wave Echo Cave that has the Forger spells and all of this because he, he liked that part. And so he then also took some of the maps and uh, mirror image flipped them. To use them again when we went through the same place, but in um, the Shadowfell. Oh. So, like, I have. I thought you were going to say when you, maps. you went in one direction, you went through it, and then as you were coming back from whatever location you were at, they it flipped it around when you were coming through the second time. That would have been pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I have never played the adventure exactly. But sure. boy, have I sort of played it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have played around it and with it a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. The, like, uh, the DM just, you know, took the whole thing apart and treated it like a, you know, bag of Legos. I mean, this is the thing that we've been doing as DMs for for many, many For sure. Totally valid. So. Totally valid. So absolutely. And and to be fair, you know, the original adventure was kind of, it's a very basic standard fare D&D adventure with some goblins and some orcs and a couple of dungeons and some interesting places to go and some NPCs. I mean, it's a very stand. That's what it makes it such a great starter set adventure. Right. It hits right? the three pillars. Yeah, and and that's exactly the kind of thing where you take those pieces and you add them to other adventures or you do something else with them, and they're that's perfectly workable. So it doesn't surprise me at all that your DM has been doing that. And it, and it was set up so nicely as well to to sort of segue into several other of the early adventures. Like there were several early adventures that didn't start until third level or whatever. And so mm -hmm. playing through uh, Lost Minds of Fendelver segued nicely into Princess of the Apocalypse or Curse of Strahd or, you know, um, uh, several you other You could things. also use it to set up Storm King's Thunder. Or Storm King's Thunder, yes. There we go. Now I know why it was on my mind. Got there you it. go. Uh, but 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 in this case, now they've republished it and said, and we're just going to go ahead and give you the next eight levels of story to, to build off after this. And and that's what the, sorry, Sam, not changes, not tweaks, additions yeah. to yeah. Uh, uh, the original adventure are about. Right. That's why that's why uh, Gwen Orsong is mentioned. Uh, because she's going to play a role in helping guide the the players to where they need to go in the later chap, the new chapters, the new part of the adventure. That's why they we have these strange new psionic uh, uh, goblins, because we have this this mind flayer illithid plot going on, and this is a hint of those early things. Like your first your first threat in the new section in the new part of the adventure is dealing with this tribe of psionic goblins. Uh, and so they're sort of, they're, they're hinting at those early on. So I think they're, they're trying to make some efforts to not be like, okay, so play through the original Fandelver, which we've updated. And then here's a whole new adventure that follows after it. Instead, they're trying to show how you can layer things in and connect hints of the later plot appearing in the early plot. 
And whether they do that very well is a topic for discussion later on in this episode. Or we can talk about it now. Go ahead and talk about that, Sam. How well did they do with um, that effort? Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they do just okay. I mean, I, some of my, my suggestions uh, have to do with interspersing that in more, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so there's a couple of mentions of psionic goblins. Well, big effing deal, you know, right. like that, that's, that, that's like, oh, there's some, notice the thing, but, you know, notice that the shards are actually, some of them are located in the town. Right. And yet the whole first four or five chapters of this thing, we don't hear anything about the shards. We don't see any effects of them. We don't, nothing happens. And they just happen to be in town, which we find out when we get back from Wave Echo Cave. Like to me, that's a right. missed opportunity. They could totally do something yep. there. In fact, we, um, we and, find out about them after they've been stolen. Oh yeah, they, right. they, they were there all along oops they were, we should have been there that. yeah right you know, they did, they're, they're, were completely inconsequential there's yeah. a giant black stone embedded in the bar that you're hanging out at and we just never mentioned that in the description right. <laughs> yeah know? yeah and and never yeah. and never never had any effect whatsoever right um and then so like i feel like they could they could have done a much better job interspersing the sort of psionic weird stuff even even later not even maybe not at the beginning right because you want to sort of ease them in and for you know first level characters are very squishy but like by the time you get to wave echo cave and you're dealing with um uh what is his name nez neznar neznar yeah. yeah like it like he could he has nothing to do with anything psionic at all there's no kind of weird elements there's nothing there right, right? Um, they don't connect the the forge of spells at all to any of this secret power that, that has to do with the obelisk, which that to me is a, also a total missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to have like some kind of powerful magical creation font, like why doesn't why isn't that connected at all to the other weird powerful magical stuff? Like you know what I mean? Like I I feel like right. it's missed opportunity. So having said that, I will say that I kind of understand why they didn't because. They really did still keep like the first four chapters of this very kid friendly, right? Like you could run your six or seven or eight or nine year old through this. I wouldn't necessarily say you could run your five or six or well, maybe, you couldn't run your seven or eight or nine year old through, you know, chapter six when everybody starts suddenly having mutations and their right. Daisy the cow sprouts tentacles. And you know what I'm saying? Like that's a little creepy and weird. And well, it you know, depends maybe, on your own child and you know, them it best, depends but. on your child. Like, I yeah, started playing yeah, yeah. when I was nine. I would have totally loved that. I would have been totally into it, but I understand right. why they wouldn't necessarily want to force that onto a book. Right. Because I, I could see an outraged, response if they completely infused kind of weird tentacle stuff and weird far realm stuff and right. and like weird mutations and weird like body manipulations and all that stuff into the very early chapters i could see a lot of protests from people who love the fan delver the original and then saying what did you do you ruined this like i can't right. use this now and i bought this book for 50 bucks and now it's unusable like i can see that so i understand why they didn't but my my advice is that dms you know kind of try to infuse more if your party's into that if your group is into that if they want to do it mm -hmm. like do that more and add it earlier so that it is a theme throughout the whole thing and it doesn't just suddenly show up in chapter 5 with hey by the way there were these shards in town all the time Right. And, and I think I think there's also an element of not just the kid friendliness of the original starter set, but there's also an element of like a lot of people have played that adventure and they don't right. want to completely destroy it. Like, at the, you know, and if you change it too much, then it becomes a, well, why didn't you just create a new adventure a new, in Fandelver? Yeah. Why, why, why do you recreate this thing if you're going to change it all? So well, I get some I was of that. A weird reaction to it, though, because. Like, like I did have the nostalgia thing for the original part that I was, and then when I get to the part where the town is weird stuffs, ha like really bad stuffs happening, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, why did they do that to that nice little town? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the desire—that's the desired reaction, though, right? right. Is you right. Want, you want the party to care about the town enough to keep to stay there and fix it. Right. right so, I'm I'm probably gonna run it, and I'm the DM trying to read through this, well, yeah. and I'm just like. What is why weeping for Daisy the cow? Yeah, asking you to add in more stuff though, because like as you end chapter four, they're like, if you're continuing on, you may want to follow up on the disturbing evidence. These strange goblins are threatening. What? Like, there's not an abundance of strange evidence. You're saying I should have added that in there then? Right. 
And then, you know, the find that these goblins have been committing crimes, and that's when we start getting into the atrocities, like you said, Trace. Committing crimes is putting things really right. lightly there. We're understating what's happening. Right. So, like, basically those last two sentences in Chapter 4 are like, yeah, we really needed you to have played that up. You did that, right? No? No, okay, well, surprise! Because we, we never told you dur- during those chapters you needed to play that up. Oops, you know. Yeah. You know, well, it's, in it's, fairness, every guideline ever has said read the whole chapter before you run it. Sure. But yeah. it's yeah. not well, in that chapter. Clear. You don't get to it until, until but, the end. But, but it is in the chapter. That's the end of the chapter. The, the end of the chapter is still in the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you're That's way back challenge. okay at that point. You're no longer in town where it's saying that all of that evidence was there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So the other thing is this book actually has an age minimum listed on it. I don't know if you Yeah, they've, they've started doing that with all yeah. the books. On the credits page, there's an age. So that also says to me that, like, you know, they are now paying attention to the fact that some of the material in here might not be appropriate for children under 12, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because this is a 12 plus. And also, we didn't read the disclaimer. The, dis- the disclaimer says... The fanatics of Ilvash can neither confirm nor deny whether they plot to incorporate this book's owners into a mighty new illithid empire. Any transformation incurred, up to and including face tentacles, are strictly coincidental. Perfect. I always love the disclaimers. In, in a similar vein to the conversation we were just having about the connections in the first half to the latter half, one of the things that really stood out to me as a missed opportunity is... The character, the people, the NPCs of Fandelver, like in the second half, there's people going missing. There's people showing up that are quest givers or whatever that that aren't mentioned in the first half. And it's like, oh, man, these people going missing would be a lot stronger motivation if the players actually knew them. And it's not that big of a town. Why why can't I know? And, And so many of their books they, they take up the, the time to put together a, a dramatist personae, right? Where you can look at all the, the NPCs that are that are named and listed in the book. And yet this is the one time like, oh, I really wish that existed here. And there's not one <laughs> for the first time. I really wanted there to be one. And it's just not that. Because like, I want to I sprinkle in those NPCs early on. Those are the people you're hanging out, out with at the tavern or whatever. Those mm-hmm. are the, the people that you met on the street who, who were were nice and, and gave you a crust of bread or, you know, whatever it is, right? I want you to have met and cared about the people of this town so that when they disappear and go missing, you've got more motivation to actually do something about it. Because honestly, some of the threads uh, from one chapter to another chapter are a little thin. There's, mm-hmm. there's you know, if your players need to be motivated um, or need to be given some extra motivation, it's just not necessarily there. There's sort of a hint. They got a name that there's another place that you could kind of go investigate, or maybe you got another idea, and then now we're off the rails. But if there's NPCs that they know and they care about that are missing, and that name is mentioned with a place that they might be, that's going to drive people forward. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, and, and there are some sidebars talking about yeah, our connections are uh, a little light here if your, your players aren't the kind to connect for themselves. So here's what you do. Right. Because uh, it's, uh, are the players lost at the bottom of page 36, for example. Um, talking about town NPCs, that does touch on one of my big like, disappointments from the, the early part of the adventure, which is just the description of every faction ends in a sidebar that says, we won't be using factions anymore in this adventure. Here's stuff on factions. This won't come up again. Yeah, you you gain. You just gained this NPC's trust, and they're going to ask one of the PCs to join their faction. Oh, but that doesn't matter. But they get this nice pen. Here you go. This matters if you're an organized play. It doesn't even matter then. It doesn't matter then. Factions aren't a thing in organized play. and that the thing is, here's why that's disappointing to me. It's not that I that I don't want to know about factions. It's that my players are going to be like, ooh, cool, I'm a harper now. Or, oh, I'm a part of the Order of the Gauntlet. Let's go figure out what we could do for them. Like, what's what? how do we find them? And, how you know, what what's our next mission for them? They're not, you know, they're going to be more interested in that 
So I can't even really present that unless I'm planning on doing something with and it. And everyone wants to join the Harpers now after Edgen. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, after the right. movie and they start yeah. bringing back some of those factions. I can't so. believe that they haven't like pushed factions more after the movie where they played such a key role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've just we- never quite hit on how to handle factions, right? Uh, including the core problem of what to do about faction goals if not every player joins the same faction. And like faction secrets and that kind of thing. Like, this was an uh, actual problem. Notes. I mean, I hear you, but this was an actual problem in my uh, Dragon Heist run. My players had serious stress over which faction to join and whether they were going to be okay and have fun if they join separate factions and and so on and like these are you know mature aware gamers who had a real question about what was going to be fun and i honestly didn't have a clear answer for them like i'm going to try to make it fun no matter what you do is not the kind of answer that resolved anything for them mm-hmm. and and so i think that's the kind of problem that watsi continues to have with designing content for factions. But even factions aside, like I, we wouldn't even need to talk about this if it was one little sidebar with two paragraphs, but there's like five of them in there. Yeah. And, and and one of them is the bad faction. And I don't know why they continue to support the bad faction, but I digress. Well, Well, but but like, so my, my thing is like, that's like two pages of text that they could have used for something else. Right. Hello. That's when you can add in, even if you don't want to intersperse it in the, in the actual first four chapters, because you don't want to sort of do what we said earlier and like sully the original. Right. But you can add two pages of suggested, you know, here's some ways, suggested ways to add this flavor throughout if you want to if you think you're going to run this whole thing here's how to like that only takes two pages maybe three but you could get rid of all that faction talk that leads to literally nothing in this adventure and get rid of a couple of the the art of the faction thing and or put some other art there like i I don't know it just i mean they start with the factions all the way up in the adventure hooks where they mention where two of the hooks are strictly related to factions yeah well, I think so. that, and I think the original was was ingrained in the factions very intentionally because they they originally envisioned fifth edition being much more faction heavy, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And and so like I get that being there, but they like no one to blame but themselves. Sure, but like th- the new chapters, the first part of the new chapters involves running around town or doing things nearby. The factions could absolutely continue to play a role and then start to sort of fade in their importance as you go into the underdark and, you know, you're not going to run into your faction mates right. when you, when you go deep into the, into the underdark sort of thing. That's I mean, that's, depending on which faction you're in. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is the kind of thing that is probably more of an advanced jamming skill and actually teaching players to do that with subtlety is probably genuinely hard. Mm-hmm. Not sort of, oh, we have to put some effort into it writing, but okay, we need to write this in a completely unfamiliar way to just teach you how to do this thing. Well, that would be the whole adventure probably, is like teaching a skill in, in GMing terms. So, so we've been we've been ragging on this adventure for a little bit now. Uh, Sam brought up a topic that, that I absolutely wanted to talk about. Uh, Tracy, do you have another thing you wanted to, to uh, I, yeah. drag it through the mud over? A little tiny bit. Uh-huh. So with the stuff you guys have already been talking about, about the lack of continuity, or not continuity, but like not really helping the players feel and their characters feel connections to the town as, as well as they could have, uh, they they do a lot of using kids to kids mm-hmm. in danger as a way of making players want to go places, and Urgency. I noticed that. Yeah, and then most of the people that were kidnapped, I believe, were women because there was a lot of wife of somebody. There there were some where they had uh, same gender rela- uh, relationship couples, which is cool to see. But the just the number of women compared to other ones was kind of interesting too to me. It's all the ragging I want to do, but I, those are the two of the things I noticed. It is. And, and honestly, like we've been talking a lot about the lack of connectivity between the first half and the second half. And, and that's 
true. That said, it's less jarring to me than Tomb of Annihilation. Tomb of Annihilation or, has a or, dramatic shift. Or Rime of the Frost Maiden. Or mm-hmm. um what's the other one? Uh, uh anyway. But, you, but you, yeah, you get the idea, right? We've said this about a lot of their fifth edition big big book adventures, right? Is that the first half seems to sort of be left behind by the second half and they're almost like unconnected things or the tonal shift like in 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 tomb of annihilation it wasn't that they're totally different or unrelated it's that the tonal shift with the mode of play is so different in the second half because of of all the dungeon crawling that it makes it into a totally different game that the the players or the pcs up until then were not necessarily you know ready for because of the shift and with yeah, go ahead. I, th- I think part of w- why that's happening, and this is a bit of a tangent, right? I think part of why that's happening is because they've moved to, and this started in third edition, but they've moved to publishing basically campaigns, not adventures. You know, in, in the past, they would publish a bunch of short adventures. And so they could just do, here's a death trap dungeon. Here's an exploration of Chalt. You figure out how you want to put these together and, and pick and choose your adventures and make a campaign out of it. We're just going to throw a bunch of adventures together. Now they're like, oh, well, we're going to do whole campaigns, but we got to mash up a few different things. We, we, we want people to have different sorts of experiences and, and bring back different types of styles of play. Uh, and so they end up mashing up things that mm, I, I think that's probably well. part of it. But I also wonder if it's tied to how they write, like how they do the freelancing and stuff to get the adventure done too, or campaign or whatever we want to call it. Um, cause I would not be surprised if different people get different chapters and you don't, there's not the same opportunity for full continuity that there might otherwise be. No, right, but, but the- that's why you have that, but that's why you have an editor and that's why you have like a story or design lead or whatever like that. Right. That's, that's their responsibility. That's not like, I, I, I agree. agree. Yeah. And I don't, that's, that's famously incredibly hard because. Yeah. Let me tell you, the other people who did Adventure Pass also fail at it hugely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Famously bad. It's a And, you know, Amanda Hammond was the uh, lead, on, project lead on this, and she came from Paizo, known for Adventure Paths. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I can't think of anyone with much more experience trying to tie things together. And, and honestly, like, like I've been saying, I think this one ties it together. Like, it has problems, but it does a better job than several other things that they've published that have been fun. And, yeah. Professionally speaking, it's not it's not tied together poorly. I mean, it, it like, you we could have the perception that it doesn't go together well, but, like, from the existing content that was there to the rapid change that we've got in this horror book at the end... Um, like it, it actually, it goes pretty, pretty well. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like my complaints, I fully see them as nitpicks and suggestions oh, for yeah. how to improve it for your own home game. Right. I think this is one of the more cohesive adventures that yes. have been produced. For, yeah. For anyone so, listening, I love this book. That, yeah. For such that level span. Yes, I do too. Just to be clear at the beginning. Right. But for this level span from one to 12, this is one of the more cohesive Wizards of the Coast adventures for fifth edition. I agree with that. I agree. But. They also already had chapters one through four written and released right. for 10 years. So there's a lot that they could have done there other than just take out the newbie DM advice and the, you know, not, not Enrique say, trans advice. What did Enrique do with this? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, newbie. Um, anyway, but that, you know, other than, treatment. yeah, other than taking that out, right. They could have done some other things. Right. And I know there are reasons I'm not, I'm not saying right. that, you know, how, how dare they, I'm just saying, I'm just pointing it out that these are the things I noticed as I read through this, I'm like, Oh man, missed opportunity. Oh man, missed opportunity. Yeah. Oh, they changed that. But is that really consequential? You know, changing, uh, changing, what's his name? That one guy's, uh, his treasure from teeth to stones doesn't do anything. And the taking the guy's eye patch away and hiding the gauntlets of ogre strength, like those changes, ah, okay, whatever, you know, I, that's inconsequential. Those things don't really matter. They're just things to notice. If you know the adventure really well to know that they did go through and change a lot of little minutia, mm-hmm. but they didn't go through and add really good interleavened connectors. Right. Well, they left, it, or, they left it to us at the end by saying, Oh, you know, and you can add these people back in as, as they, you know, as the right. party meets them or whatever. And I, and I think I would have been fine with 
them not adding all of those connections if they had at least given us the tools to make it easier to do it ourselves. You know, if there was just a list of here's all the NPCs mentioned in this book from Fan- the town of Fandelver that you that they might run into in town, and then I can figure out which ones are going to disappear and which ones are going to do show up, be quest givers later and 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 connect them in. I want to go back to one thing that we did mention and point out a difference here. So we talked about factions a lot and how much is still included there. Those two adventure hooks were not in the original one. So clearly they have plans to push factions back more into organized play because that sidebar about it being a thing in organized play also did not exist. So maybe yeah. they're running behind on that. Maybe it'll all make sense in due time. Or maybe they I hope had, so. Or maybe they had plans and yes, then the, the movie wasn't the runaway hit they were hoping it was going to be. And so they're just like, oh, maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on in organized play right now. Uh-oh. Yeah, like the movie wasn't a runaway hit with non-gaming audiences they hoped it would be. Yeah. It absolutely was a runaway smash hit beloved by nearly all. Yeah. In, How many tickets did you buy to see it? I mean, I only went once, but there's four of us, so that's a lot. Okay. I took my whole gaming group. <laughs> I saw it twice, but we bought tickets to see it five times so we could get the collectibles. Very nice. All right. We literally paid for the movie. We paid paid the movie ticket price for the thing. Nice. So you um, get the popcorn bucket. We have the dragon head, but not the D twenty. Oh. So if anyone has an extra D twenty popcorn bucket that you're willing to part with for a reasonable sum, <laughs> hi, my name is Jenny Loveday. Um, I'll pay shipping. <laughs> <laughs> once once upon a time, there there was a a three D model for it, and and I was gonna grab it and and three D print it, and then um, I think it got pulled uh, shortly after I saw it. So there's tons of great like things that they had for it, like the two popcorn buckets. They had a stein. Um, in some other mm-hmm. countries, they had the dice tower thing. Yeah. Um, they had the prints, and we so we had the prints, the maps, and the dragon head one. That's what we have. Right on. Anyway. We should talk about this adventure. I want to call out some cool things that they do yeah. later on on a, on a very practical jamming level because we talk about practical jamming a good bit. Um, so I, I'm just kind of flipping through. I'm looking at Chapter 6. Um, there's a section where uh, they're actually getting into... Okay, so there's the challenge in this room. Here's what happens if it all goes wrong. Mm-hmm. I love it when adventures don't assume success just to move forward. Yes, right. Especially so when, like, especially with the the what was it, the race to collect the the three remaining obelisk pieces. Yeah. Right. So there's uh, the solution to uh, area T twenty. Uh, there's an incorrect solution and an alternate solution. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I love that there's coverage for that. And then in the very next room, there's also the if the characters fail in line header, heading four. Yeah, that's awesome to to just give support for other outcomes and help DMs like know. Yeah, it's okay if they fail. The, running out of hit points isn't the only failure condition, and that's all right. You know, the adventure can continue and everyone can have fun. It's okay if NPCs push really hard to the point that the PCs have to retreat. Great. I love the story tracker to track stuff like that mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. At the back of the book, by the way. I've been mostly working from the, the digital version, so I didn't haven't looked at the story tracker. Yeah. But, yeah. And they give you two copies of it in the printed yeah. book in case you write on one and then realize that you should have yeah. photocopied it. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they do mention it at the beginning, uh, just for yeah. the audience. There's some front matter that talks about um, how certain of these mutations might take hold and t- talks about, you know, talking to your players about the themes and the different mm-hmm. horror aspects and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah. and, and it mentions the story tracker and it talks right. about, you know, that this can get complicated if they're doing three or four different little quests and all. And that honestly, stuff. There, there's less to track in this story than uh, Witchlight. And that's the first time I really saw a, a super useful story tracker that they included. Witchlight has a lot like there's a lot of things in chapter one and they will show up again, re-show up again in every other chapter. Depend, you know, everything that you do in chapter one affects what happens later on in the story. 
And so there's a lot to sort of keep track of uh, in that one. And that's where I think they started playing around with story trackers and it was super useful there because it was necessary there. And then I think they figured out, oh, and it's a little bit useful everywhere. Let's go ahead and, and, and yeah. you know, they, they, they this is an adventure where they, they do this sort of like you're going out to collect the, the three obelisk pieces. And if you get a, a certain number, it has this effect later in the story. If it doesn't, you know, then, then it changes things this way. And, and they've done that kind of thing before, but they would just have, they'd get to that section and be like, well, if they collected this many pieces, this is what happens. And then this many pieces, but there's not specifically like a given method to sort of track and remember and keep, and keep track of that in the moment. And so that's where I think they, they've, they've learned. It's sort of like, you know, that first time they, they put a flow chart. I think it was Storm King's Thunder Thunders, the first time they put a flow chart in. And it's like, oh, or at least it was the first time it was super useful. And now they put it in everything, even if the flow chart is a straight line. Yeah. You just have to know what order to use chapters in because sometimes it's not, uh, you know, just counting order. So the the other thing about those um, the the story trackers is that also could be a good place to talk about, like to incorporate factions and how much favor you're winning with a given faction, right? Like if they if they really want to work that in, or you mm-hmm. know, if a DM really wants to work in factions in their own home setting or something, they could do that. Um, now I, we skipped. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I still keep hoping for workbooks. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> we're, um, we're, yeah, the, you just work your way through the workbook as mm-hmm. you're doing the adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um we uh, Brandis skipped all the way to chapter six to talk about something. I, I actually want to go back to chapter five and talk about something. That oh, is I wasn't really doing awesome. a chapter by chapter breakdown, but go ahead oh, and what do you want to talk okay. about? Because we're uh, going to have time to do that. There's, <laughs> there's something really awesome uh, in in chapter five, and then there's uh, or that that I really like, and and then there's something I really don't like in chapter five. Um, the thing that I uh, really like, uh, maybe it's maybe this thing is not. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, on page ninety-five, there's a really awesome picture of a, a Grick Alpha mm-hmm. that has like crystals all embedded mm-hmm. in it and everything, which I think is really that's a really great thing. Like to to make this whole thing sort of start manifesting in the environment, and then the creatures that live there start sort of having these weird, you know emanations and 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 it's not yeah. always as extreme as tentacles you know or whatever it's just these sort of i love that and i like the art i think that was a great addition um but big, then big and, steven universe energy yeah and 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 the the villain of that chapter his name is ruxithid right he's really cool i really really like him i like what they did with him i like his effects except the final thing that happens with him, which is, okay, spoilers. Everybody knows we do spoilers. So if you're going to play this, you shouldn't be listening anyway. But here's the thing. He has this big crystal sticking out of his head. And when the party kills him, if they kill him, the crystal sort of falls to the ground and it breaks. And then it tells the story of, or, or tells them <laughs> a bunch of clues about. It's like that that sort of thing it drives me crazy. Like, Write that in a different way that allows the party to interact with Ruxithid and learn from him what's happening and what he's being told and what the information is. Don't have it be like, you know, the crystal breaks and now there's this expository. Well, here's what the crystal says. So this is obviously what he was being told. Like, no, let the party interact with him and figure it out. Like. To me, that's a, one. Of, it's one of those missed opportunity things, right? And it almost feels like, oh, they did it this way so that they could ensure that the party gets the information because, like, they can't trust a DM to actually give the information. But the thing is, this isn't for beginners. Remember, this isn't for beginners anymore. We're past the beginner stuff. So trust the DMs to be able to give the information without making it a generic, like, oh, here it is. Whoops. Oh, and now you listen and you hear this come out of the crystal. Like, I don't know. It just, it felt like it cheapened him. Here's the thing. Even even just shoving that information in their heads when they touch the crystal. Yeah. Pretty on point. They're going to touch it. Oh, they're definitely going to touch it. Uh, But the thing, one of the things that Sam mentioned is that, like, let them interact with Ruxithid, right? And actually, yeah. I, I feel like that's one of the real strengths of this book is that there are, yes. like, it's not Witchlight, whereas Witchlight was designed so that you could theoretically run the entire adventure and never have a fight. You're not going to. Oh, you're to, going to fight in this one. Yeah, yeah. In this one, you're definitely going to fight. But there's a lot of encounters where it's like, but here's a, here's what's going to happen when you, like, it's not, a, the fight is not a foregone conclusion in a lot of these encounters. Like, you walk into this place and there's this, this uh, Al Hoon, this 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 Illithid lich sitting on in a chair there, and they just want to have a conversation. If you attack them, they'll defend themselves. 
right? But but they just want to you know get information from you and figure out what's going on. And there's a lot of you know you're you you get to this to this fortress or whatever, and there's the guardians at the gate, and they're they don't just attack you when you approach. They're like, oh, are you here to to, to worship the thing? Do you are you joining the, joining the the congregation? What what's going on? How you doing? You know, the, it, there's a lot of right. situations where it's not a and Ruxathid is one of them. Like. There's a conversation with Ruxathid before it right. has to devolve right. into a fight. That's the right. time to give the exposition. <laughs> exactly. That's And that's my point. But also, to your point, they do that a lot in the earlier chapters, too. They mention, mm-hmm. you know, if the party determines that they're overmatched and they want to try to parlay and talk instead, like, let them do it. That's, mm-hmm. you know, here's what these creatures want or here's what these people want, and they'll they'll talk to the party. Like, it, it even says – now, it obviously also always gives the combat stats and tells what the setup is and yeah. all that because they assume everybody's going to fight. But not everybody does, and they don't, they don't make any secret of saying, yeah, you know, it's okay if they don't fight this. They can just try to try well, get it out of it another way. And that's how you support the three pillars in an adventure is by not right. assuming that one of the pillars is the only solution to the problem. Right. Absolutely. I I, ha- I have been heavily using um, the descent into Avernus organized play uh, to to supplement my descent into Avernus campaign. And one of the things, like, I have run into to many things in, in some of those organized play adventures that I'm not super fond of. But one of the things they do super well is you get into an encounter and then there's a little sidebar on a regular basis of this is how this pillar play, could play out in this in this encounter. This is how this pillar could play out in this. You know, I, I'm looking at Jenny because I know she was, she's been involved in organized play for some time, right? Um, yeah, you clearly haven't played one in a while either, but that's fine. No, no, I don't play organized <laughs> play, but I buy these bundles sometimes and use them to enrich what I'm doing in in other yeah. campaigns. So the the, late, the newest one I have is to sit into a furnace. Yeah, so. and that was that was when we were doing that. Then it was great. You're not doing it anymore, huh? I mean, <laughs> but but the, but my my larger point for this adventure is this is how you support that the the yeah. the, the use of the three pillars is you don't only provide a solution that relies on one pillar. You're going to have the combat stats because it's the social in, interaction is not the only way to solve this, but you're going to have the the notes about how to role play these things because social interaction could be one of the ways you, d- you do this, right? And so it prevents options that aren't always yeah. just, let's go in and kill it. Well, and like, I'm just taking another look at this while we're talking about it, and it it basically sets up that you have to fight him. Like, there is no option of, what if you you oh. decide to join him? You could decide to join him, right? But there's right. nothing in here about that, where that could have been a nice opportunity yeah. to have mm-hmm. even worse stuff happen, or, or something else, like have there be consequences for that. Right. I mean, you could join him, but boy, howdy, is he? But is he the bad guy at, at the in the story at that point, right? Hey, <laughs> no, but like some people are perfectly fine with that. Yeah. And if we're not playing organized play with it, then that's that's a legitimate option. It if is I'm neutral or even. I I would argue that there are there are stories and there are campaigns that. Stories have themes, and they should, and this, the adventures should should reinforce and support those themes. This is not an adventure that necessarily screams to me. This is something where there's moral ambiguity. Like, I think you kind of have to go into this one uh, assuming that you, everybody's playing the good guy. Um, you're right. There's not a lot of oral, moral ambiguity here, but there is a bunch of transformation that could affect their mind and could cause yeah, them to true. start like succumbing to – effects from the far realm that they you know that's one of the things it has to talk about in the beginning is you know getting your players consent for these changes that are going to occur and the changes happen whether the pcs like you know the dm can choose not to have it happen but if the if the party's all in by the time you get to chapter five or six now you've had a couple of transformations you might be starting to get you know sort of influenced by the mm-hmm. things that are affecting you not not of your own choice That's true. and that could lead a player to say you know what um i might actually feel a kinship with him and decide to join him and that could be okay for my pc now mm-hmm. how the dm deals with that and whatnot is is you know up to that party but but it is a possibility so it should at least be mentioned and it's kind of not 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, mean even yeah. the first one is like, you, you know, you, this is a disturbing voice and he's urging you to go do things. Like, yeah. it's pretty much like yeah. right there. Join us. Right. Join on, us on, now. On one hand, you're right. And I get that. On the other hand, that's the beauty of role playing tabletop role playing games is there's mm-hmm. literally an infinite number of options and they can't oh, yes. account for all of them in a book. Yes. <laughs> so, no, no but, I, I agree. But in specifically here, it says like if they don't, if they no show no sign of joining, or they start getting right. violent, he attacks. But there's no other options, right? right. It, so he's it, gonna it, attack. Yes. It's gotta right. happen. So, so they shouldn't word it as if if they're not gonna provide an or. It should be just when they just when they show that they're not going to join, he, he responds because that's when what they. Now you've taken away. Now you've taken away player agency. <laughs> When you finally get tired of role playing in this scene, yeah. then let this fight start. Yes, I, I have, I have had, I've known players who have said when they were tired of an encounter, this has ceased to be a role playing encounter, mm-hmm. as a way to let everyone know it's time to roll some initiative, or just draw weapons and alert, you know, whatever. I, I definitely said that too. All right, so it seems like we've had everything said that we want to say here. Right, right, right. Everyone's had their chance. All right, roll initiative. <laughs> I, I, I will, as a DM on occasion, uh, pull a similar tactic where, like, I, it cl- it's clear to me that the role playing is, has hit the plateau and it's not going to really go anywhere at this point. And I don't even say, you know, have we all said everything we're going to say or whatever. I just tell them, okay, well, at this point, so and so is rolling initiative. You're welcome to join them. <laughs> and then, One more forceful. And then they, they have, it says, like, if he, this is that he fights to the death. Mm-hmm. But then it says if slain, um, which yeah. makes it hard to know like what else could happen. And then if he's not slain, because they could decide not to, they could just decide to knock him out. What happens then? You do get some hint earlier because there's a there's a spot earlier where they explicitly was it with the spider maybe where they explicitly talk about if you don't kill so and so, then you yeah. can turn them over to this person in town and they will take them to the right. order of the gauntlet but, or whatever. But in this case, it's Ruxithit, so it's kind of like right. okay. Like that's when they're gonna knock him out, tie him up, and touch that crystal, right? And that's when <laughs> that's when things. But, but see, that's that's kind of what I'm saying, though, right? I agree with you, Jeff. Like, I think the majority of people, unless they start out as an evil campaign, they don't want to suddenly have their character turn evil in the middle of the game. Most sure. people don't do that. Most people want to have some sort of continuity, right? Granted, I'm painting with a broad brush. I understand, but. Like when you have a scene where there is a sort of corrupted individual that has a source of power right in his forehead that everybody can see, and it's assuming that there's going to be a fight because it will say he's going to fight to the death. So if the party decides to knock him out, they're not going to take him over to the jail and put him in the jail, right? They're going to have to choose to do something else, and it gives like no advice about that whatsoever mm-hmm. or how to give that information because it's all or, based right. on the idea that he's do- dead and that the voices now the, are the you can hear. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep all right on the other picking so, yeah. no, no, yes, of course yes no i uh, me too uh, but right but but this is what that's the thing right so i know so if i read the adventure and it sucks i'm not reviewing it right like i'm not like, because I'm not going to waste all the rest of my time on it, but I like this so much. That's why I'm end up nitpicking, right? Because like I love 90% of it, and it's just that you know, or 95%, and it's just a few things, right? That that's where that's where this is tricky, right? Because on one hand, we're passionately discussing the problems, but right. we're spending 90% of our time on the problems, even though well, so. So let's the, fix that, right? Now, like I, I already told you about the awesome Grick thing. Now let me read you the little two sentence passage from page 139 about when you come back into town in chapter seven. It says, Three figures scuffle on the ground before the Shrine of Luck. Sister Garrily, the acolyte of the shrine, fends off Guildmaster Hollya Thornton, while young clerk, the young clerk from the general store, Ander, claws at both of them. What a great set up for a scene to show how three individuals who would have normally gotten along had no problem with each other they've probably all lived in the same town all their life they know each who other you, and who you've right? met they were mentioned and earlier <laughs> met and interacted with for sure are suddenly calling and it's not grotesque it's not gruesome it's not like completely blown out of proportion it's just you're walking back in and here's this very simple scene that tells you exactly what the state of things is mm-hmm. that's and, the sort of thing that's perfect and directly after that just in case you as the dm didn't understand it says 
the townspeople begged the characters to subdue the uncharacteristically violent villagers, mm-hmm. yes. hoping that they'll come to their senses. Right. Yeah. So they know something's going on. That's the clue for, okay, players, now you investigate and figure out what the heck is going on. Why right. is this happening? Yeah. No, honestly, I had I mean, seen- the very next box text tells you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I know. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying, like, in terms of the flow of how this goes, we've been – I've been about a lot of things, right? right. But this is – it's really well done. It really is really it well is. done. It, it is. It is honestly – one of the better adventures I've seen for fifth edition uh, published. It is, I, I came into it and when I, when I discovered, so, so I had actually been involved in the play test for this, but they primarily had us play testing the last chapter that final sort of dungeon and, and encounters uh, at the end of the, the uh, adventure. Um, so I did not realize that the first half of it was a, a revision of, uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver. I thought we were just getting a whole new adventure, and, and they weren't uh, redoing that. Um, and so when I found that out, I was actually a little bit disappointed. Oh, it's a whole new product where half of it is stuff that we basically already own. Um, and, and I and I and I kind of lost interest, which is you know I have had an idea for an illithid themed campaign in my head for probably 15, 20 years now. Um, uh, that just has never quite manifested itself. So this is an area of interest for me. It's like when you tell me that you've got a blood war campaign. It doesn't matter how bad people say it is. Like I, I'm on board, right? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that is my jam. Illithid, uh, an illithid campaign is something I've been clamoring for. Uh, uh, blood war is stuff that I'm always going to play. Uh, and, and so I was really into, into the idea and then it started to come out and it, more information came out and it's like, oh, I kind of lost interest. And then as I started reading through it, preparing for this, I'm like, oh no, i my interest is back. Like I kind of want right. to run, I want to run this again. And, and my biggest problem now is that half of my group playing group, half of my players have already played Lost Minds of Fandelver before. So- okay, well then jump right in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's the thing. I love it because I love Far Realm stuff because I love Gates of Firestorm Peak and I love Night Below. And both of those dealt with weird Far Realm creatures, illithids and weird telepathic stuff and creepy stuff. And it fits in that milieu perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a deep and abiding love of mind flayers, illithids yes. in this house. So... <laughs> Um, and, and they undoubtedly have a deep and abiding love for you. Uh, so, I can so feel Jeff, it in their tentacles. They just want to give your brain a, 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 the last hug you'll ever want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, Jeff, if I can be a little uh, behind the DM screen for a second. Um, I think you could do something amazing by taking what your players most remember about their run of Lost Mine of Fendelver, right? And like, use that as yep, okay. Lost my Fendover was was solved. Now you're going through the wreckage that your previous PCs left behind because there are new problems there. Sure. And, you know, and a, then, let, then sort no, of feed that into the back half of the adventure. Yeah, there's definitely there a lot PCs, of potential there. They showed up. They it, did their thing. They started to see this, and they were like, "Yeah, no, thank you, goodbye." Part part of the trick is that that was with their previous DM before I moved to town, and they and they adopted me as their new DM. Right. Um, no, you'd have to ask them. So to I'd have help to. Yeah, I'd have to. Yeah. Like, exactly. Right. That. But that'd now, be kind of cool. It, it. Yeah, and I might still do it. I, I I didn't. My next campaign, I have a menu of options for them, and I don't know where it's going to go. But I. I well, sure. This wasn't going to be on it, and now it is going to be. So here we are. Um, that said, we've been talking for over an hour. Well, I suppose once we edit out the like three minutes of not doing anything in the beginning, <laughs> it'll be a little <laughs> bit less than an hour. Um, but I thought it, this might be a good time to, to allow people to share last thoughts. My last thought was the thing that I said, right? I didn't want to play it. I'd lost interest. And then reading it has definitely hooked me and regained my interest. Who else has last thoughts they want to share? I mean, this is definitely one of the two main things that I'm going to uh, pitch to my Friday night group uh, if our now well past Dragon Heist itself campaign comes to an end. The other is um, Turn of Fortune's Wheel. 
I mean, I'm definitely interested in trying to find a group and time to have a group to play through this. If not just for this, but for the connections to the, at the end, very short mention of Netherese obelisk, which tie in greatly to a, a lot of things that we're working on in this house. So, you know, let's prime our people for the horrors to come. And this is a great primer. Mm-hmm. Other last thoughts, Sam or Tracy? Oh, yeah, I have a list. Tracy, do you want to go first? <laughs> you, only get, you only get a couple, like at most a handful. It's a lightning round. Uh, have you met uh, Sam? I know we already <laughs> talked about it, but uh, I'm, I'm super happy about the, the more inclusive art and stuff that's in it mm-hmm. and the uh, gender balancing, among other things. Mm-hmm. Sam, last thoughts. Go ahead and give us the, your lightning round. Um, my lightning round. I like the moving maze. That's really neat. Okay, out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish they would have tweaked it just a little bit more to make it go faster so that it was obvious and that it could affect combat in those areas. But that's that's some, that's whatever. That's so tiny. Right. Uh, second thing, uh, the obelisk, I also like that it ties in. And my group went through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and they did some weird stuff with that obelisk. And now they're back in time. So this actually could be a way for me to get them to to go back and help those. Anyway, uh, so those of you who know, who know. And okay, so I've got two two last ones. First of all, I'm a neurobiologist. How do you get the undying love of a neurobiologist? You have the party adventure in a giant brain. Okay. <laughs> last, that would have been my second thing. Yeah. Last, uh, I love that this thing is world spanning, but not world spanning. They keep the majority of the action in Fandelver and slightly, you know, in, a little bit below and in and, mm-hmm. and, and in po- weird far realm stuff, but. It's not like, oh, uh, you know, that's going to destroy the world and it's really obvious and you have to now go to Neverwinter and you have to go to Waterdeep and you have to go to all these places to convince everybody how important this is. No, you're in a little tiny town. It's It doesn't seem like it's spreading very fast or very far. It's happening. And pain calamity. It. Yeah. And so I love that. But yet at the same time, if they fail – it could end the world because it's a lithids, right? And it's far realm, but well, it's, 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 it's t- kept to a tiny area. And I love that because right. you could make that little area, a sandboxy area, and you could adventure there for a really long time without ever having to worry about the rest of the world. And, and it's it, done really well. And it's worth noting, like if the calamity happens and the party fails, there are consequences and there's mm-hmm. potentially world-shaking right. consequences. Mm-hmm. However, it's not the apocalypse. Like there is the rise right. of a of a, a settlement, a colony of new illithids in in the realms. Okay, that's now a problem that that the world has to deal with. But it's not like the ritual is complete and the world is converted and it's a new illithid planet, right? It, 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 you know, there's consequences. And certainly the Illithids would like to go ahead and take over the world. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the world is going to be like, oh, no, Illithids, I guess we're done and give up. You know? <laughs> yeah. I also really like that there's a very real chance that you can get stuck in the brain forever. Mm. Yes, I like that, too. Very good. Yeah, All right. So, cool. so I, I have one last tiny thing. <gasps> okay. Uh, for people who want it, uh, in my blog many years ago, I wrote a deep dive into every lore note I could come up with for Lost Man of Fendelver, it pretty much all still tracks. If you want to know more about just the first few chapters and how that connects to world lore, there you go. It's, it's for Ooh. you. Excellent. Very nice. That's really more of a plug than a last thought, but but I applaud it. <laughs> uh, look, man, we blog writers got to take what we can where we can. Absolutely. I've written nothing of the sort, so check out his thing. <laughs> have I, have, Brandon, have, have, it would be better. I want to emphasize that about Jenny. For real, uh, nothing but respect. <laughs> uh, and Brandis, have I told you that on my menu of next campaigns, that uh, one of them that I'm working hard on is a Caesar Vidari campaign? Oh, God bless you. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to call that the end of the episode. I want to say thank you to our our guests, uh, Sam Dillon. Where on the internet can people go and find you? Uh, you can pretty much go to any uh, social media thing, and I am at DM Samuel. So Blue Sky Mastodon, the artist formerly known as Twitter, you know those sorts of things. Um, the the Tome Show Discord. Our- 
the Tome Show Discord, uh, and um, RPG Musings is my personal blog. I haven't written there in a really long time because, you know, life is hell. Um, and that's it, pretty much. All right. Ginny Loveday, if people want to to hang out with you and, and soak in your wisdom, where do they go? Uh, well, if they want to do it virtually, uh, you can plug my name uh, into your Google um, and find me on all the social medias or at Jenny Loveday, if you prefer that. You can also go to my website, JennyLoveday.com, which is correct now. Thank you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> and uh, at least in that regard, there's something wrong on there still, I promise you. Um, if you want to see me in person, I'm going to be at PAX Unplugged, and then I'll be at Winter Fantasy coming in uh, February, and then Gary Con in March. Boom. That's my next three. Jenny nice. does all the fun cons. Uh, it, it's it's my job. Right, right, right. And and if people want to find Jenny, I, I will point out that it is Jenny with a G, G I N N Y. Yes. So yes. All right, like Weasley. For people who remember it, easy that way. There you go. Uh, Branda Stoddard. If people want to hang out with you, where do they do it? Well, uh, you can find me on Blue Sky uh, at brandastoddard.bsky.social. Uh, I write for Tribality.com. My personal blog is BrendaStoddard.com, and my Patreon is BrendaStoddard. All right. I also want to thank all of you out there who help support the show by being patrons at Patreon.com slash The Tome Show. A dollar a month is all it takes to help pay the bills and keep the show going. Uh, and that's where I want to show my appreciation. So thank you. Thank you. And if you'd like to contact us, uh, you can email us thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can find me as Sarah Dark Magic on most of the socials, including Blue Sky, Twitter, Instagram, blah. And you can find Jeff at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H, uh, Mastodon, Blue Sky, Twitter, anywhere else, Jeff, that you want to I mean, talk about? Discord. That, prob- that probably, yeah, Discord is, is a good place to hang out. We have a nice... Uh, active but not overwhelming discord uh community there uh and so um it's not one of, there's an awful lot of discord servers where it's like i don't know there's five million conversations going on and i can't keep up and this is not my full-time job is to read your discord so uh the tome shows <laughs> discord is not like that so I, I i really enjoy our little community there so uh, and so that's the end of the episode. Uh, this is number 361, where we all got mutated into violent tentacle creatures in this episode of... I'm also lost.